Now, on topic of our Nadama talk, this Saturday evening is mindfulness in the daily life. And so it's a talk that, in a very direct sense, will concern those of you who will be departing tomorrow. But it may also concern some of you who will be staying for a little bit longer and then sooner or later going back to a life outside of intensive retreat. And to be sure that I really cover all the points that might be interesting to you. So if there's anything you want to know about mindfulness in daily life, any particular aspect, then please let me know and I'll try to integrate it in the talk. Joellen has already asked earlier on, what kind of instructions to follow during daily practice, right? How to know which instruction applies. And then, Michael? Right speech. Oh, right speech. Yes. Anything else? Aversion. Aversion. How to deal with aversion in daily life? Mm-hmm. Not to react. Hmm. Okay. Yes, Peter. That's it, okay. So then uh, the Points are as certain as follows. Maybe the first and foremost instruction to keep in mind during 
um, life outside of an intensive veterinary train is certainly simply you know, to you know, follow you know, the maxim or to go you know, according to you know, the maxim of you know, whatever you know, predominant certain you know, object certainly comes up in you know, the body or you know, in the mind, you know, then to label it, to observe it, you know, to you know uh, it as certain you know, best as certain you know, possible. This is kind of like your most fundamental uh, instruction, and so, even if you know, some rather you know. Um, outstanding experience comes like you know, some uh, very strong uh, you know, exhilarating you know, joy even then you know, remember this certain you know, very basic instruction and certain you know, then uh, it should certainly give you, you know, some you know, direction now Apart Satna from you know, this, you know, when you do your you know, daily you know, practice, it might be worth considering you know, to you know, write down you know, one's experiences, to keep a so-called you know, meditation report log. And so after you know, your daily you know, sit or two, you, know, you make a few short entries into you know, your log. And this will force you, you know, to observe properly you know, during you know, your sitting session. And suddenly, then after a couple of days or weeks, you might suddenly then want to go over your notes, and suddenly then you might suddenly find a certain structure there, and then you might find that some of your experiences are similar to a certain set of experiences from the retreat, and suddenly then hopefully you've written down the guidance and given at the time during the. The interview and that certainly then yeah, might serve as uh, uh, as a reference point and and so if some totally new experience and let's say some you know, challenging difficult experience comes up and you don't quite know what to do with it how to handle it you know, then uh, one you know, rule of fitness of thumb would simply be keep going and certainly remember that basic maxim of always labeling, observing, and knowing the most predominant object that comes up. And then probably within a period of a couple of days, maybe a week at the most, the answer will be there how to deal with it. And so usually the answer comes up in the practice itself. And even you know, for rather you know, difficult certain you know, mental you know, states you know, that uh, uh, arise in you know, in the meditation, and so we might not quite know what to do you know, with them. If we patiently you know, keep observing you know, them you know, with a non-reactive you know, attitude, you know, then gradually you know, they lose you know, their momentum and sooner or later they're, they're gone. They might, of course, you know, return at a later point, but you know, then we'll just have to deal with them again. Now, 
the period or the transition from uh, into from an intensive you know, retreat you know, setting you know, to you know, back to daily you know, daily life or, or life in in, in the ordinary you know, world with you know, some amount of you know, daily you know, mindfulness you know, practice is a sensitive you know, one and you know, so you know, after a month of intensive you know, the mindfulness practice, you don't uh, you know, want to you know, start uh, you know, your you know, worldly life by you know, heading straight for the next uh, you know, beer bar or discotheque. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't think you will, but... <laughs> But they've been people who, uh, you know, um, uh, they were pretty eager to blow it, <laughs> to blow all the achievements uh, you know, that have been uh, gained you know, during you know longer period of hard work. And so, do consider that within one month of intensive meditation practice, mindfulness practice, the mind has become pretty refined. And so, this means that your transition to back into your normal life needs to be a gradual one. And so, you know, if you can't you know, schedule at least a day or two of you know, maybe you know, some quiet time at home um, and not right away you know, jump back into you know, you know, an eight-hour or ten-hour you know, working day, you know, then that would be helpful. Now, to give you a nice but somewhat sad story, once there is a meditator from a certain country, and this meditator happens to do an intensive retreat in a certain meditation center, not to disclose any details, and <laughs> and then when the retreat certainly was over, this man then had to. Uh, well, in order to, you know, to reach his certain destination, he had to cross over a strait and then you know, go to the train station in order to catch you know, the train there. He barely made it in time you know, to the train station and you know, the train was just about to pull out of you know, the station. Now, this man trying to get uh, the, uh, the station uh, chief uh, to uh, make the train wait for him to board it. However, uh, the station, uh, station master uh, disregarded his uh, uh, appeal. And so the train left without our meditator. And then this meditator headed straight for the station master's office and you know, with the station master back and being back in the office, and he got so furious over the fact that uh, the train had not been stopped, 
you know, for him to board it, that he even kicked you know, the office you know, furniture. So I hope, I sincerely hope, you know, that none of you, you know, will uh, display you know, you know, any kind of behavior that is certainly similar to what I've related. And this is not certainly a story made up from imagination. It's you know, something that actually happened. I heard it you know, you know, directly from the person involved. <laughs> so one then wonders, of course, what has this man learned during his retreat time. Now, when we do or when we go back you know, to our daily life, uh, then we you know, might have you know, less time you know, available you know, for you know, practice, and so, you know, thus you know, our or thus the development in our meditation practice may then be somewhat different from the many changes occurring during an intensive retreat setting. So during an intensive retreat setting, if things are working well, then the development of the practice could be described as a steep and quick development. Now, you know, during you know, daily practice at certain home, it's going to that development is going to be less steep and also you know, probably not as certain quick. But this doesn't mean you know, that certain mindfulness practice at home is certain, you know, not beneficial. It just certainly means that we have to be patient with it. We have to keep at it. And so, you know, practice every you know, day in a consistent certain manner. And you know, it might be worth you know, differentiating between the so-called sunshine yogis and certainly the all-weather yogis. <laughs> now, this is figurative speech. And so, what do you think, you know, think might a sunshine yogi be? Hmm? Michael? <laughs> yes, you've got it. <laughs> That's your sunshine mood, sunshine yogi. So, when we're in a good mood, then we feel very compelled to practice. But, if we've had a really busy day with lots of complications and complaints from this person and that person, then we might not suddenly feel like even sitting for five minutes. And we might rather feel like diving right into bed. Now, that might actually not be so wise because... Um, because when you know, because it's just a matter of looking at certain things, and so uh, you've had certain a difficult day, and certain plenty of difficult mental states are you know, present in your mind, and this offers a wonderful, a most wonderful opportunity you know, to take you know to you know, really get to know you know, those difficult mental states.
and to become really familiar with them. If you're one of those sunshine yogis, then most likely you won't have many opportunities to deal with those difficult mental states. And so, and so in the end, it's good to be an all-weather yogi, and so you practice under all circumstances every day, no matter what. Now, I've observed over the years that certain retreatants who've done a let's say who've done a shorter retreat, and who then were pretty consistent in their daily practice had a much better start during the next retreat. And so there's much more familiarity with the practice, there's more acceptance of it, and less, less resistance, less um, skeptical doubts arising in the mind, etc. So it has become much easier. Now, even though we might be doing only one or two hours of formal practice a day, sitting practice a day, if we stick to it over a longer period of time, let's say several years, then it could still mean that our practice will gradually move ahead. And if we're really committed to our daily practice and we know, okay, I have this one or you know, two hours, so rather <coughs> limited, a rather limited period of time, and I will really make the you know, best use of this, and I will be really mindful, and I will you know, try to be really concentrated, etc., you know, then you know, the quality of the sitting there could be quite, uh, uh, you know, quite profound. And certainly, so, with this kind of an attitude, it's likely that the practice will move ahead. Now, from a practical point of view, an experiential point of view, during an intensive retreat, you know, over you know, a certain period of time, you know, so, you know, things change, and one grows in you know, intuitive you know, wisdom, and then one goes back home. And then no one gets exposed to you know, all those many circumstances from worldly life. With this, one, one certain level of intuitive wisdom that one has gained during the retreat for a while might still continue. It may you know, remain at uh, more or less you know, at uh, you know, the retreat uh, level. However, maybe after a couple of weeks or so, you know, after a retreat, you know, then things you know, you know, gradually you know, go down. And uh, you know, gradually you know, the, um, in the level of you know, insight, you know, knowledge, you know, the understanding you know, will you know, lose you know, some of its you know, power and that with this a certain decline is to be uh, expected. But if you keep up your daily practice, you know, then you, know, you can you know, work, gradually work against this, and so overall you know, things may eventually still you know, then move, you know, move in an upward direction. 
Now, among the you know, different you know, things to well maintain our you know, faith in in the meditation is the the meditation of the actual sitting practice and walking practice itself and certainly then we could certainly also on occasion read a Dhamma book we could certainly on occasion maybe download a Dhamma talk from from the internet and listen to it or and certainly this this for many people helps a lot join a sitting group that maybe weeks that meets once once or twice a week and suddenly then with a sitting group there might be a dhamma discussion or business sitting together and suddenly so on also what might help is to on occasion schedule a self-retreat at home and a few people meditators who practice in burma have shared that they would typically or in particular one one lady she would typically on friday afternoon after getting off work go to the next grocery store and get her groceries for the weekend then do all the cooking and suddenly then another meditator said she would suddenly then unplug her landline for her telephone and suddenly switch off the mobile phone and suddenly then go for a silent retreat at home. And so that for some seems to be a rather um, you know rather powerful way of then boosting one's one's mindfulness, one's concentration, and one's intuitive wisdom, and also a way of boosting or recharging one's energy. Now. When we look at uh, this uh, mindfulness certain practice in you know, the long run, I think you know, that certain it might be a good idea simply you know, to alternate you know, periods with intensive practice or a week or two weeks, a month or two, and certainly then with periods of daily practice at home. And then comes the next retreat. So if you stick to this pattern or to this strategy over a longer period of time of several years, the results are going to be there. And so a deepening of your practice will definitely take place. Now, with the ending of a formal retreat, does this really mean that our mindfulness practice has to end? Is it that you leave your your uh, mindfulness practice here in the uh, in the locker room at Satna, the far center? 
obviously not. So you take it with it with you back home, and suddenly you try to work on it some more. Also, what is very much recommended for the daily for one's life outside of a retreat is to maintain at least the five precepts. It is not expected that suddenly you observe the eight precepts, especially the one of not taking food after 12 o'clock at noon. And certain so as working you know, people, this uh, you know, may be you know, very difficult uh, to do. Although there's some you know, people who uh, actually can uh, do it. Now, as we've seen during the earlier parts of uh, you know, the retreat, you know, virtue, the training in you know, virtue sila seka is a way of you know, building a strong you know, foundation for you know, the work in you know, concentration samadhi and also you know, for you know, the work you know, in wisdom banya. And Satna, so you know, do you know, take the precepts Satna seriously and Satna really you know, try to integrate them you know, in your life as much as Satna possible. And if there are certain areas in your life, especially let's say around uh, you know, right speech or you know, right action, whatever it might be, you know, then explore you know, those certain areas and Satna then you know, try you know, to you know, bring more and more um, you know, ethics certainly into you know, those certain areas. Now, as our understanding of you know, the Dhamma you know, deepens, our understanding of Sila you know, will also you know, deepen, and certainly with this, you know, we might find, oh, in this particular area, I'm still a little bit weak. I still could be more uh, honest, more you know, straight you know, forward. And certainly then accordingly, you know, one makes certainly the necessary you know, changes. Now, living according to you know, the you know, a set of you know, ethical uh, you know, rules of you know, conduct or guidelines of you know, conduct you know, really helps certainly you know, to simplify one's certain you know, life and certainly you know, then you know, it just gives you an idea of you know, what certainly you know, to you know, refrain from you know, where other people uh, may uh, then uh, get caught up in uh, doubt or in inaction or wrongful action. Now, in terms of uh, you know, scheduling you know, one's uh, you know, time, now the time one has for you know, daily practice, some people are fortunate to have uh, you know, two hours or even you know, more you know, to you know, give you know, for you know, mental you know, development. And so in a case like you know, this, you know, then you could certainly maybe you know, allocate you know, an hour, an hour and a half in the morning, let's say for you know, metta practice, loving kindness meditation, and then you know, another hour or an hour and a half, you know, sometime later on in you know, the day, you know, for you know, your actual you know, satipatthana meditation. 
And so the benefit of what the meta practice is, and that of course then the mental state of loving kindness arises in your own mind, and it makes a huge difference whether you go through the day with a mind that has been inclined towards loving kindness, or if you don't do the meta practice, a mind that suddenly just floats around and easily. Lands, let's say, in aversion or irritation or whatnot. And regular loving kindness meditation also, and I'm speaking from experience, also very much helps to ensure. Uh, a harmonious relationship uh, with uh, uh, the people around us. And uh, so uh, we can choose. We can choose uh, what we want. Do we uh, want to live in harmony uh, with others, or uh, do we uh, love to be in friction uh, with uh, others? And we take great uh, delight in uh, this. So, sooner or later, you know, having a sandpaper-like relationship with people around one turns out to be somewhat unsatisfactory. Now, so... Half of the time we could give to loving-kindness meditation and then the other half to satipatthana meditation. And so loving-kindness meditation is a form of samatha practice, so it helps to concentrate the mind. Now, as for the satipatthana practice, well, this then helps us to develop our ability to carefully observe objects as they arise and then to know their various features and characteristics, their nature, etc. So the knowledge aspect then is, comes more into the foreground. Now, on occasion, it may happen that, let's say, since Joanna's question was, when aversion arises in daily life, how do we deal with it? So let's say if a great deal of aversion has arisen and we get really upset about something, then it might be a good idea to do some walking meditation, chankama, in Bani. And so when you do some mindful walking meditation up and down, so at first maybe you pace at a slightly faster speed, or and then gradually you reduce that speed, it might help already significantly, or it might help to reduce the aversion significantly. 
and so then you know, with a mind that certainly has been calmed down you know, to some extent, you know, then you can slow down even further and certainly then you try to really know, you know what's you know, going on, the various sensations that occur during the lifting, during the moving you know, phase and you know, the you know, lowering and you know, placing of you know, the foot. And you know, then, you know, once the mind is certainly in a workable you know, shape, you know, then you know, one could go on you know, to do uh, a sitting meditation. Or else, you might certainly, if the aversion is maybe not quite that strong, you, know, you might certainly head right away for you know, the cushion. And certainly, so rather than you know, talking you know, to another person and expressing you know, your anger and just letting it all out, and uh, you know, you know, we have to act on it. You know, so rather than you know, doing this, you know, just quietly you know, you know, you know, retreat certainly into your you know, meditation room, close the door and certainly uh, then uh, uh, sit in uh, silence for 45 minutes, one an hour, and certainly that usually uh, also very much helps to uh, deal uh, with the aversion. Now, um, if you happen to get certain totally upset now, while you're you know, in the very center of a huge department store, now, well, <laughs> there's no place to go. <laughs> there's no place to go to and certainly sit. At least at the international airports, you know, they have, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, no, no, usually there's a room for, you know, for spiritual practice, and uh, you know, it could be a chapel, it could be, uh, uh, you know, praying area for you know, the uh, Muslims and, Certainly, so on. For Buddhists, I haven't even haven't really seen any meditation hall or some <laughs> meditation room. Still waiting for this to come. But uh, anyway, so uh, you know, like in a chapel, you can easily go there and uh, uh, then spend some quiet time there. Now, when you're in in the center of a department store and uh, you happen to be really upset, then. You know, just uh, maybe pause for a little bit and uh, you know, then you know, mindfully breathe in and breathe out and you know, start directing your you know, attention to you know, the rising and falling movement of uh, the abdomen and you know, then you know, start uh, patiently start uh, you know, labeling you know, the aversion you know, or even the anger you know, that has arisen uh, in the mind. And maybe uh, pace, uh, pace up and down uh, in in that department uh, store. Maybe pretend to uh, be interested in some good uh, <laughs> and uh, and then. But your main focus is on uh, being mindful. Um, the or uh, yes. No, no, then. Uh, well, definitely don't, uh, you, know, uh, you know, pull any weapon and... Uh, <laughs> 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 and, uh, 
and so what you can do, what you could do is uh, just uh, immediately start, uh, you know, labeling if you have the time, but certainly definitely observing the anger, you know, the aversion that has has arisen in your mind, and so, you know, then uh, be sure not to act on it, uh, not absolutely not certain to act on it. And so, and then you know, maybe you know, what you, you know, could do is you know, restrain you know, your senses and so, you know, don't even look at that certain car uh, no, and the driver you know, you know, who's you know, just you know, uh, giving you a hard time. And so, then on top of that, so, you, know, you could so, you know, send the person a few you know, you know, thoughts of loving kindness and so, you know, may you be well and happy all the le- or nonetheless. And not despite of your rude driving, <laughs> no. and uh, or or maybe uh, with uh, a wise certain uh, reflection, you know, yeah, you've just uh, you know give me some trouble, but maybe you don't quite understand now. But maybe at a later point in your life, you'll understand better. Then you let it go. No. No, don't take these uh, things too seriously. Uh, no. And if others want to drive faster, okay, let them do that. Uh, no. And so, if things get suddenly really you know, bad, here on an interstate, you have these certain rest areas. There you go. So you, know, you you head for one of those, and uh, you park your car, and so, uh, and then you remember to be mindful of your rising and falling. Uh, no, and uh, you know, then once your version has certainly subsided, then you go on driving. Uh, no. Now, on, uh, around traffic, uh, a serious uh, uh, reminder. If your practice happens to be quite advanced, then uh, please, you know, when you drive a car and you're in heavy traffic, Make sure that you don't get too mindful, and be sure that uh, uh, maybe not too much uh, intuitive or liberating wisdom arises. (laughs) (laughs) You might uh, regret. (laughs) So, there are certain certain limits, and certain so if you find that your mind becomes extremely refined, um, then maybe you know to, um, try not to be that mindful anymore. And keep an keep an eye on the traffic. Now. Mindfulness practice during daily life is surely not certainly limited to just the formal sitting practice once a day or twice a day. 
and that you know, a very large you know, chunk of you know, our time has to do you know, with you know, interactions with the family, you know, then you know, life at you know, work, and so on. And there are many simple activities, you know, such as opening or closing of a door, or you know, maybe you know, brushing one's teeth, or you know, maybe taking one meal a day really mindfully, you know, that we could do with some amount of mindfulness. And suddenly this, you know, who our daily life you know, opens up a huge area you know, for creativity you know, to introduce or bring mindfulness suddenly to it. And you know, so you know, there could be you know, certain, you know, certain activities like you know, maybe every time you know, we pick up a certain book, you know, then we remember to be mindful. And since you know, Peter has you know, just you know, put the question, when doing mind work like reading, computer work, you know, and, you know, writing you know, reports, reading you know, research reports, etc., you know, and then, you know, well, forgetting to be mindful. Now, what you could do is, at, and this is just a suggestion, and you can be creative you know, with it. Um, every full hour, so at nine o'clock, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, etc., every full hour, you remember to be mindful again, and you try to be mindful for you know, five minutes in whatever work you happen to be doing. And many, many, many years ago, um, I was suddenly staying in a spiritual community in the south of France, which is suddenly known as the Ark, and suddenly founded by an Italian nobleman called Lanza del Vasto. And there they had a habit of doing something like this, every full hour the um, the community bell would be struck and then the community members, wherever they happen to be within the area, let's say doing work in the, in the forest or doing agriculture work, etc., for, for a five-minute period, they would just set aside the work and suddenly then schedule five minutes of mindfulness, either standing or sitting or you know, whatever posture. And suddenly that back then this seemed like a very you know, nice sudden reminder. And uh, now, nowadays, of course, there's a lot of uh, pressure you know, during you know, work, and certainly so our employer might not uh, you know, agree <laughs> with us uh, you know, taking five minutes uh, off. And certainly so, you know, then nonetheless, whatever work uh, you know, we happen you know, to be you know, involved in, if you're reading you know, some research paper, okay, then we try to do this really mindfully. And as certainly we discussed, I think in one, you know, was it in a question and answer session or so? I think you brought up uh, you know, this certain topic already. And so you know, then you know, when reading you know, such a research you know, paper you know, to 
and then read it with the utmost mindfulness, being you know, you know, very concentrated on you know, the act of reading, and certainly you know, then knowing how, you know, you know, knowing what we're reading, and uh, you know, whether we're really you know, focused on you know, the act of reading, uh, and maybe also you know, some you know, sensations, picking up some sensations in the body, etc., etc., or what's our predominant state at the time. So this um, four or five minutes period might really make a difference if you schedule it quite frequently throughout the day. And of course you have to experiment with it and find you know, find something that certainly works, you know, especially for you under your circumstances. Or, you know, or maybe, you know, you know, a simple reminder every time you, know, you you walk into your office, every time you come out of your office, when you open and close the door, then you know, take this as an, an opportunity to be mindful again. Or you could focus on any kind of change of posture. So every time you get up from your seat, okay, at that point you make that transition from from the sitting posture into the standing and walking posture into an exercise of mindfulness. And you do it somewhat slowly with mindfulness. And no one can see that you're training in mindfulness. So that certainly would be a, a possibility. Or even, you know, even when we talk you know, to you know, people, we can you know, try to bring some amount of mindfulness certainly to this. Now, when it comes to our you know, life you know, in ordinary, you know, our life you know, at home, at work, etc., you know, then mm, will it be quite possible to you know, walk around as slowly as certain, uh, you have uh, uh, learned to do around here you know, with uh, no resistance or some resistance? <laughs> It's not possible, of course. And so, so during our daily life, we will have to adjust to external circumstances and we will have to do things faster. But this does not exclude mindfulness. It certainly means we can still be mindful of whatever we have to do in a somewhat faster manner. And so, the mindfulness practice may help us very much you know, to avoid mistakes. So if you're really mindful you know, when you have to do a rather complex activity that involves different you know, move, hand movements and maybe even different bodily movements, maybe even some speech, etc., then it can get quite complicated. And so mindfulness may, may make a huge difference there. No, in comparison to you know, someone who you know, is doing you know, these certain activities in an habituated, uh, uh, automatic uh, manner, and sooner or later might uh, uh, make a mistake. There's just, I can't uh, 
conceive of a way in which I can bring mindfulness into play at that time, um, I have to give up the practice in order to be able to resolve this problem that I have. And I just don't know how to introduce mindfulness. In other words, there seem to be moments during my day when it simply appears impossible to bring mindfulness to those, that moment, those moments. Not true. Nope. No, no, it's a matter it's a matter of practice, and especially when you know, some you know, problem has arisen, that is when you, know, you need mindfulness most and uh, you know, then you know, to you know, check your you know, predominant mental states at the time, and you know, then with a clear and calm mind you know, to approach you know, the you know, problem and you know, then you know, to find you know, a solution that you know, might work rather you know, than you know, getting into you know some agitated uh, state of agitated you know, unwholesome state of mind, and you know, with a mind that is certain filled certain with mental defilements, mm, I'm sorry, this kind of a mind cannot uh, you know, come, you know, or is not functioning properly, and certainly can't come up with proper you know, decisions, or you know, can't find a proper solution. And, and sometimes, you know, and it's uh, wise you know, to stop and uh, you know sit back and detach from the whole thing a little bit, uh, gain some you know, inner space, and uh, not take a decision right away. Let let the matter sit for a while and let the whole thing settle in the mind, and uh, you know, then you know, the right answer you know, might certainly uh, come up. I know. And usually, you know, the decisions that uh, we you know, take you know, when the mind is certainly in a positive, wholesome you know, place are far better you know, than you know, any kind of decision you know, that you know, was taken in a, you know, at a point of time when we were uh, under much pressure and uh, you know, with an agitated mind full of anger, this and that. And no. And if you feel, if you feel stressed, okay, take the stress itself as an object. If you don't know what to do, take that as an object of observation. I know. And if you get angry because of what just happened, the client is cornering you in one way or another, okay, then observe. Then it's high time to observe the anger. I know. And if you were to you know, act on that anger, you know, the, you know, the repercussions could be, you know, or the consequences could be, uh, you know, well, you know, very serious. I know. So next time around, you know, step back and you know, let certain mindfulness do its certain work, and you'll see it might certainly make a huge difference. I know. And if someone is you know, pressing you for you know, for an immediate certain you know, decision, you just tell the person, "Sorry, you know, this is a serious matter. It certain deserves certain you know, some you know, careful reflections, and uh, uh, you, know, you don't want to take any you know, you know an easy uh, an easy decision that later on you and others certain you know, will uh, regret." So no, no, no uh, you ask for time. Uh, no. Now, 
we cannot walk around as slowly as we do during an intensive retreat. We can also not label everything as we are supposed to do during an intensive retreat. And so during your daily life, if you manage to be somewhat mindful of what you do, of what you say, and of your predominant mental states, predominant thoughts, then this is quite enough. Now, some years back, just to uh, share it uh, with you, uh, at the end of uh, retreat in uh, Europe, uh, there uh, was a meditator uh, from uh, Switzerland, an elderly uh, man uh, with a uh, family, and somehow or other he had found his way uh, into the world of Satipatthana uh, meditation, and he very much uh, liked it. And so when we came to this issue of mindfulness in daily life, he then stood up and said, well, you know, being mindful at home is actually not that easy. And he related his story. And the story was as follows. As follows. So after a retreat, he went back home with his family to stay with his family. And he was so eager to practice that at home, he would move around like a snail. And it led to an unexpected result. Namely, his family got pretty upset with him. And they just couldn't stand him <laughs> moving around that certain slowly. And, and then on top of this, they had serious doubts in, of course, the you know, benefits of meditation practice. And maybe to add from, my, from one personal experience, uh, one person you know, once commented, well, you know, this uh, mindfulness uh, practice, what, what is it good for? You know, what's your contribution to you know, the domestic uh, uh, product, uh, the you know, domestic, uh, what is it, national uh, uh, product? <laughs> And so the assumption here is you know, that as meditators, uh, we're not uh, very useful. Uh, uh, we're making not a very useful uh, contribution. But I dare say it's just the other way around. So meditators you know, tend to be, tend to contribute to peace in society, contribute to harmony in society, contribute to proper functioning, contribute to maybe some you know, sense or, or a way of living one's mind, no, a way of living one's life that really makes sense. And so in many ways, there are major benefits. 
And if you have one person in a family who uh, is mindful and who uh, is very concerned about uh, uh, spiritual growth, etc., then uh, this certainly tends to have a positive impact on uh, the other uh, members of uh, the family. And then uh, very soon you find uh, the second person uh, attending a retreat. And then uh, shortly after that, you might find a third person ending, uh, ending uh, doing a retreat. So mm, gradually, you know, then you know, a family, one's own you know, family, you know, might suddenly become much more peaceful and suddenly you know, things happen in a much more harmonious suddenly, manner. Now, when we get off an intensive Futna retreat, and so we have all these certain many you know, wonderful retreat experiences, you know, then and our mind is certain and has been pretty, you know, pretty refined. You know, then, and we meet with our normal friends and certain relatives. You know, then we cannot expect them to know where we are coming from. And uh, so you know, they will be as rough in their behavior as ever. And uh, they didn't do the retreat. You only did the retreat. And so don't uh, expect them you know, to, you know, to understand where you are coming from and that your behavior has suddenly become you know, quite suddenly you know, refined and suddenly cultivated. And so you know, be ready you know, for certain, you know, some maybe you know, or an you know, occasional unpleasant you know, surprise. And just be patient with it and you know, don't take you know, things suddenly too you know, seriously. And so, now, after a good certain retreat, you've had some wonderful experiences, and you're really you know, subscribed to it, you know, and then obviously you'll be you know, quite eager to share you know, your experiences certainly with your near and dear ones. And certainly they might perceive it in a quite different way. They may certainly think, my goodness, how come this certain person is proselytizing? <laughs> 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 so he's become one of uh, he or she has become one of those fundamentalists, <laughs> and so, and so, now, this might not be you know, really you know, a very wise approach, and so if you, you know, get one or two reactions like this, you know, then it might be high time to reconsider your own approach. And uh, you might want to, uh, you know, back off a little bit, and suddenly uh, then uh, you might want to uh, simply convince others in a very patient and peaceful uh, manner by just uh, your own behavior. Let your own behavior, your own conduct, the peacefulness of it, etc., you know, the purity, relative purity of it, you know, the goodwill. You know, let this suddenly convince others, and sooner or later they'll get the point. And uh, if you have parents who you know, watched you, you know, carefully grow up over many years, they are sharp observers, and they sure know when their son or daughter has changed in major ways. And this might convince them. And so, 
And so you know, parents do pick up you know, these certain you know, changes, and uh, you know, and then you know, they might certainly see, oh, uh, you know, there's a positive you know, change here. And certainly then you know, they might you know, start certainly you know, dealing you know, with you in a different uh, way. Now, since Michael asked about certain right speech, let's certainly briefly say a few words about certain this. Namely, there is of course certainly the precept of Musawada Musawada Viramni Sikavadam Samadhi so I undertake the training rule of refraining from false speech. And certainly this then means that certainly we want to stick to the truth. Whatever we, sorry, whatever we say, we try to say in accordance with facts and certain figures. And we try not to twist things around in one way or another. And to really speak the truth under all circumstances, that may be actually quite certainly difficult. And so, um, then, in the context of uh, you know, the Eightfold Noble Path, we have the path factor of right speech, Samma Waja, and it actually mentions four items there. And so it's not just you know, to refrain from wrongful speech or false speech, but certainly there is also a priest or an aspect there to refrain from backbiting or slandering. And then the next one is to refrain from rough-footness speech, rough-footness coarse speech. And the last one is to refrain from gossip or any kind of useless, frivolous talk. Now, when it comes to backbiting, this is, what do you think, among, I think, among human beings, it occurs rarely or very common. It occurs a lot, and and certainly so. And then behind the back of another person, you have two people going like this, and certainly then in front of the person, maybe this speech they engage in is one thing, and behind the back it's another, and it can be rather destructive. And for communal harmony, this can be actually quite dangerous. And so backbiting is certainly something that certainly we all need to work on and certainly we need to reduce it to zero. 
And there's no need certainly for this. If we have something, if we need to communicate something to another person, okay, then we'll think about it carefully and how do we want to say it, etc. We want to say it in a way that certainly will not hurt the other person, person's feelings, but we still want to bring a certain point across. And so then once we've found it you know, a nice certain way of you know, saying it, you know, then we'll try uh, and certainly say it. And um, you know, see, for any kind of uh, you know, right certain speech, the Buddha has certainly given you know, some very helpful you know, advice certainly here. There's always you know, the time factor to you know, consider. And so, you know, if we have something to communicate to another person, it doesn't mean you know, that we have to say it right now. And uh, it means that if, let's say, if we see that the other person is in an angry you know, uh, mode and uh, we want to tell another person something that maybe he or she doesn't like to, will not like too much, then what's the likely response that we will get? Obviously, uh, not going to be very positive. And so, um, as meditators, as we gradually learn to dis understand about our own mind states, with this we also learn to you know, distinguish you know, predominant mind states in others because you know, they also manifest physically or you know, verbally in, in this way or that way. So if we then perceive signs that another person is angry or upset or this or that, you know, then you know, it certainly serves as a you know, red flag. Okay, now is not a good time you know, to you know, say what has to be said. And certainly we then just certainly let it sit for a while. And certainly then when we find that we both, the person that needs to be spoken to and I myself, are both in a good, happy mood and receptive mood, then in a friendly way we say what needs to be said. And in this way you will have a much better result for your communication. I know. So, right certain time is an important certain point. And certain then, you know, also, if you have something important to communicate to another person and you, you know, do this in a wrong location, so you know, let's say you know, you know, the conversation would you know, require at least half an hour and it would, it would be nice to do this in a quiet sit in a setting, but then you, know, you think you can't wait anymore and you, know, you do you know, this you know, maybe you know, while you're on the bus commuting you know, from home to you know, work and with you know, a fellow passenger, you know, then you know, the person might not appreciate at all. So it's out of place. And certainly so careful, paying careful attention to time and certain place makes, will make a big, big difference. Plus, as I've said, keeping an eye on the mental, the prevalent mental states within one's own mind and also the other person. And then when, you see, with all of you know, these certain precepts, always the opposite is also you know, mentioned there. So rather than engaging in you know, false speech, we say what is true. 
Rather than engaging in backbiting, we use speech that is conducive to friendship and certain harmony. Rather than engaging in rough speech that is hurting other person's feelings, we engage in speech that is soothing to the ears. And rather than engaging in frivolous, meaningless talk, we engage in talk that is certain, um, well, valuable such as on various Dhamma topics or uh, related things. And, uh, and so with this, you know, then you know, already you have you know, quite a number of you know, points there. Now, um, in the connection with patience, there's also connection and certain speech, patience and speech. So there's a, um, a paragraph or a passage in uh, in the text you know, that speak about these satna too, and others you know, will or may talk to you in different ways. So they may you know, speak to you uh, in a, in a harsh way, but they may also use uh, you know, friendly you know, words, or you know, they may you not know, communicate you know, with you indirectly through backbiting or you know, in a um, you know, harmonious way, etc. And so, whatever it might be, you'll, in the course of a lifetime, you are bound to suffer skillful as well as unskillful speech of others. And so, whatever it might be, you might as well practice patience towards it. And so, if some speech should, you know, if you have to hear you know, speech you know, that is not necessarily pleasing to the ears, okay. You know, just uh, consider it as just sound, no? sound, uh, sound waves. And so, you know, these sound waves, they come and they go. That's all. And so you know, then you just label as, uh, well, or, or you know, in a Vipassana way, you just label as hearing, hearing. And so <laughs> sooner or later, you know, there will be an end to it. <laughs> And sometimes, you know, when you know when people are really you know, upset or you know, when they're you know, you know, experiencing you know, rather you know, serious, you know, difficult mental states, they say all sorts of things. Don't take it too seriously, no, and just let it be, let it sit, and uh, you know, and also, you know, what certainly can be very helpful, not to take any of this personally. Don't see it as a uh, as a personal insult. You know, just so don't identify with it. Uh, no. So uh, no. In, in life, as human beings, we have to see, we have to hear, we have to smell, and so, so various uh, things come up: pleasant and unpleasant, desirable and undesirable. So what? And, uh, now, still, actually, some more. As meditators, sooner or later. Um, we might all become, wanting it or not wanting it, uh, we might all become peacemakers. And so in a society where there's much conflict, as meditators, we, you know, we are the ones who uh, are you know, spending much time you know, sitting in meditation and uh, watching all these mind states and you know, so on. And so, you know, then sooner or later, there's a benefit to it. And when a conflict has arisen, then meditators can actually very easily help resolve this. And so 
in the context of a conflict, right speech is extremely valuable. And then, you know, for instance, the work of, uh, who is it, Marshall Rosenberg, you know, the work on you know, nonviolent communication may help a great deal. And so if you're familiar with this, then you will, you, know, you will see that there are certain words that will easily you know, incite a conflict and so, you know, will easily make you know, things worse. So if you go up to another person and you tell him or her, you should be behaving so and so in such and such a manner, you are basically creating a conflict. No. And so, so you're telling another person, you're setting a certain standard, and the other person may or may not be up to that standard. And so you know, this nonviolent certain communication is about uh, um, carefully, you know, carefully watching about certain of the words that certain we might, we may you know, want to employ. And those that have a potential for conflict, we better not use. And when we hear words that might lead into a conflict, then we recognize right away, oh, this sounds pretty dangerous. Okay, I'm not going to retaliate. And so I'll try to respond in a peaceful way. And just uh, near the other uh, day, you did word. Uh, you did uh, used an expression. What was it? No, no, no. For you did. But I don't remember. You don't remember. Yeah, so it was one of those upeka uh, expressions. And so let's say a conflict wants to or a conflict is building up, and then you just make a statement. You know, it, is what it, is. Uh, it is what it is. There you go. You say you know, something like this, or such is life, no? And so, or you say something. Well, you know, people have different opinions; they cannot be you know, you know, you know, rejected. And such an upeka statement very much uh, helps certain you know, to you know, you know, let certain you know, uh, you know, tensions you know, you know, calm down. And, and in Burma, you know, there are many such you know, expressions. They have a you know, huge vocabulary you know, for this. When I first got there, I didn't quite understand why are they using these. You know, these uh, uh, you know, I started then calling them upika you know, expressions, and eventually I figured, oh, these are really, really you know, helpful. They have their place uh, in you know, conversations. And, uh, and you might consider using those in the future. You have to experiment a little bit, and so then you'll see. Okay, now, as time is approaching, or um, time is moving on. Now, since, so Joanna asked the question about aversion in daily life. Have I answered that sufficiently? That's if you want to do that, then do that. Uh, no. Sure. 
And certainly, Jim, you were saying about how to deal with reactivity or differently put, how not to react. So the first and foremost line is just mindfulness. No, just know, just be mindful of the present situation and and then know that uh, you know, some reactivity is uh, uh, about to arise in your mind, that you are going to you know, react certain, to a certain you know, situation in a, you know, you know, in a certain way physically or you know, mentally. And before you actually you know, do or say something, now pause for a second or two and uh, now check very carefully now whether what you want to say or do is uh, now, 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 well now, as uh, now, 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 oh, now the uh, now commentators propose on clear comprehension whether something is beneficial or not suitable or not if it's both beneficial and suitable okay then go ahead but if it's neither of them if it's maybe beneficial but not suitable don't act on it and so if it's neither you know, beneficial nor suitable, then don't do. Uh, don't, don't go ahead. And see, you know, the mindfulness practice gives you this extra edge of you know, then, uh, seeing an impulse to do or to say, and so, you know, to leash out at another you know, person, and then, wait a minute, do I really need to act, you know, or do I need to react in this way? And so, you know, then you realize, well, mm, I don't really have to say this or I don't really have to uh, do anything about this. Mm? So, you know, then uh, you just let the whole thing pass and that's it. You know, and in this way, you know, already, you know, if, you, if you apply you know, this principle to situations where previously you know, reactivity you know, was common, again and again, gradually your you know, reactivity is going to get less. Uh, no. So it's a matter of uh, uh, applying it uh, to one's daily life. Uh, no. And life, you know, life you can see you know, as, uh, you know, well, as a huge uh, uh, experiment. Every, you know, every day you know, some new experiment comes up and so we learn something along the way. Right? Peter, do you agree? <laughs> No, so there, there are those uh, you know, technical experiments taking place in the laboratory, you know, but you know, there are also you know, you know, those experiments taking place in, uh, in the real world. Now, maybe to soon come to an end, maybe one last major point. Mindfulness in daily you know, practice has a tremendous power you know, to you know, purify your mind um, at least a little bit, at least to some you know, degree of, you know, from you know, the impurities that have accumulated uh, during a day. So in the course of a day, you know, by interacting with many you know, people in different situations, etc., it's quite likely you know, for unwholesome mental states to arise. And so, so you don't want to go to bed and fall asleep with those unwholesome mental states. And so, you know, your daily you know, sitting practice 
and is a way of you know, or, or during the daily practice these certain you know, things may come up in your meditation and then you have an opportunity to deal with them to look at them mindfully and certainly then digest them in a proper way and certainly then to once you've known their nature and then eventually they pass suddenly by themselves and so, so in this way, our daily mindfulness practice is a wonderful way of maintaining at least a relative level of purity. And then when you go into the next day, then it's going to be a fresh start with a relatively pure mind. And every time you feel Mm, you know, then certain, let's say over the last week or two you know, or you know, even a month you know, too much uh, you know, mental garbage has certain piled up okay you know, then you know, it's certain, you know, maybe time for a weekend retreat uh, no. and so, you know, then you, know, you, you know, give yourself you know, some more you know, time for you know, for practice and so you know, then usually after this you know, people feel you know, somewhat you know, uh, mentally as well as physically you know, refreshed and you know, ready for a new start. And oftentimes what happens is that when we're caught up in the midst of some, you know, you know, some problem, some complicated certain situation, we don't quite know what to do and it all seems pretty hopeless, well, if we take some time out and you know, we have our you know, small you know, or short self-retreat you know, somewhere, either at home or you know, somewhere else, you know, then you know, the mind has a chance to settle down and then with calmness arising the mind can function much better and then sooner or later some intuitive solution positive constructive solution comes up and then oftentimes that's the way to go okay now maybe this much let me conclude today's certain Dhamma talk which also will, which also marks, or which also happens to be the last Dhamma talk in this month for this June retreat. And now, let me wish May, by by the virtue of all the wholesome mental states that have been accumulated during this month-long retreat by the virtue of the hard work that all of you and myself have and the staff here at the Forest Refuge and others have put in, may it contribute to a further deepening of our meditation practice may contribute to the arising of gradually more and more faith, of more and more effort, of more and more and more continuous sustained mindfulness, and then gradually may the mind become more and more concentrated, and as a result of this, may more and more intuitive wisdom arise, may it be liberating wisdom, and then may we all may much peace arise within us, much happiness, and then may this 
uh, also you know, then uh, you know, serve the community uh, around us, the people with whom we live, with whom we interact, may it inspire them also to maybe practice and may it contribute to peace um, in the world. And this is it for now. And to add, you know, to share you know, these merits you know, with all you know, beings, to share you know, these merits you know, with, you know, of course, Satna the Buddha, and Satna then with our long lineage of teachers, and Satna then all yogis, all beings. Now, one practical announcement, tomorrow a number of um, you will be departing and also quite... Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.